Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Red Pill Your Healthcast. My name is Dr. Charlie Fagenholtz, and I'm here with everyone's favorite nurse, Lauren Johnson. And we did a, a Instagram poll, and everybody, again, I wanted to talk about masks. Uh, I guess we're over masks these days. So we're going to talk about uh, how to raise healthy children. And I mean, as it sounds, that can be weeks long of a podcast. And so what we want to do is we want to break it down for some of the most commonly asked questions or things that we think make the biggest, uh, biggest impact on raising our children. Because at the end of the day, what we do, this podcast, Lauren's ebook, my membership, all that is really at the heart of it is putting out information so that you have access to things that help the next generation. Yeah, and you change your trajectory too. For um, sure. You can change your health trajectory right now. Yeah. Uh, I was not healthy where I was. I mean, I was on seven medications at 31. Mm. And so, and I am 35 now. And so maybe I was 30. Either way, like you can change the trajectory of your health right now. It It is never too late. Um, but just like you, you know, parents are always more willing to spend more money on their kids. People are more willing to spend money on their pets. You always like to take care of the ones you love more than yourself. I think that's human nature generally, not everybody, obviously. And so we get caught up on um, not taking care of ourselves. And so I don't care if you're 20 years old or if you're 90 years old, it's never too late to make a better decision today to help your health in the future. And I think that is where we're going to start off is it's so crucial to know that what we do today affects our future. And we've been conditioned as a society to only go to doctors, um, really the way that they conditioned you, to only need them when you have symptoms. And this is a different paradigm. The first thing we have to ingrain, and I think most of you know this by now, but I need to keep saying it for those who need to hear it again, is health is built. Health is not given. And so each day we need to make the right choices. I feel like as a society, there's way too many people who just live off old wives tales of everything, you know, it's okay if you do it twice a week or whatever. And with how sensitive our immune systems are these days, because of how toxic our environment is, those don't hold true anymore. We are, we have so many more toxins. We are, we have different buckets. Lauren, what's the best way of saying it? Like toxic load. Well, how would you say that? Yeah. I mean, I, I think of it like a toxin bucket that we all have. And you think of the little spout at the bottom and that's like your elimination, your urine, your stool, um, your sweat and every drop matters. Now, does, does it like, does it matter so much that you need to stress about every little drop? No, because that's, that's drops in itself. Like stressing about everything is not going to help. Um, but what you, what you really think about is, what can you control? What are the drops that you can control? And we really do need to be really proactive about this. Our generation, our children's generation is not starting out the same as our parents, even though, yes, they had DDT back in, <laughs> you know, that they had plenty of toxin exposures then. They weren't perfect. It was, it still does not compare to the toxin exposures we have today. And Correct. that has to do with the childhood vaccine schedule that mm-hmm. has to do with the things in the sky that we've already talked about the geoengineering check out the previous episode on that that yep. has to do with the products in our chemical or the chemicals in our products the foods 
Um, so many things, the GMO, the, I mean, literally genetically modified seeds that are being, that are put in most processed foods that have changed the DNA of the seed. So do you think how that impacts a human? Like that, that is, that's just, there is so much to discuss there. And so when I, what I really want to start this off is our children's generation has a shorter life expectancy than us, than our, than us, than, and that we have a longer life expectancy than our children. How scary is that? Yeah. You really don't have to say anything else. You can just leave it as is. That's scary enough in itself. Um, I love how you started out. You said that we have to control what we can control. Yeah. Control the controllables because stress really is probably the number one killer, honestly. For sure. If you're stressing about every little thing and you can't enjoy a gathering because you're so stressed about what your children are eating, what you're eating, then yeah. that is a sign that you need to take a step back totally. um, because it's, it's, that is going to impact you more. The stress or the, the health of your nervous system is more impactful on the health of your family than I would argue um, some toxin exposures, a lot yep. of toxin exposures. Yep. And as coming from it, this as a, as a parent who did not once have a healthy nervous system. And when I was sick and nutrient depleted, my hormones were a wreck. I did not respond well. And I was a parent that, that yelled a lot. And I, I, my parents have heard, or my kids have heard me apologize more times than I can count. And mm. that's not, and I don't think of that as a bad thing either. But what I can say is, the ha- the temperature of my household then versus now with a regulated nervous system is totally different. And I see it in my children, how they respond to each other. It changes everything when you are able to regulate yourself. And maybe that looks like going outside in the morning. Maybe that looks like taking a deep breath. Maybe that looks like counting to 10 before you respond to your toddler that is being irrational. Yeah. Um, you know, like it, 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 whatever it is, just take a deep breath and know that the biggest thing that you can do for the health of your family is to regulate yourself and to come from a good place with, with your nervous system. Yeah. In Chinese medicine, they say, treat the mom for the family to get well. And in my career thus far, the amount of times that I've had to have that conversation with families, because again, people always want their kids who have issues to be seen first. But if the mom or the father or both are not functioning optimally, then nothing happens downstream, so to speak. And so um, it is really important to get treated as a family, in my opinion, especially when I take on patients and stuff like that. I prefer to see everybody um, because if you say you're a mom and you are eating a proper way, your children are eating a proper way, but dad isn't, there's a disconnect and that alone could add stress. And so it definitely uh, makes sense for families uh, to get treated together. Now, um, we let's talk, before we go any further, let's talk a little bit of the statistics. Uh, I know you had some written down. We talked about lifespan. Let's talk about the statistics. And then we'll talk about little things that people can do to help them and their children. And just like some of the ways that we think about how we've raised our families thus far, some mistakes we've made, what we've learned from it. You already talked a little bit about basically your children are a sponge. And it's kind of similar to if you've ever had a dog trained, the first thing the dog trainer tells you is it's you. It's not the dog. It's, it's you. And, and the less that you um, keep working on with your dog, the more your dog regresses. And, you know, children are not animals, but the concept is kind of similar of like the better you do, the better they will do. They, when they see you respond to a situation, um, 
with stress, what do you think they're going to do in that situation? Cause that's what they see. That's what they're soaking up. And so it does start with us, but enough of that. Let's talk about the statistics, Lauren, talk, talk to these people. What do they need to hear and um, enlighten me? Yeah. I mean, so some of this, I'm sure you guys have seen, but me put out before, but it needs to be said again, one in eight children have asthma. And that again, goes to that overflowing toxin bucket. One in six children have a mental health disorder. One in six. That goes goes to the overflowing toxin bucket and under methylation and trauma and under unprocessed emotions. Yeah. And and let's, uh, let's take those kids and throw them inside and throw masks on them for two years. I'm sure that'll help. Exactly. And that's what we're seeing now. We really are seeing that now it is, it is, we are only going to continue to see this get worse as those teenagers and young children are going to be coming into high school and then to a young adulthood. It's going to get worse if we don't change the way that we're addressing these things. That's right. Um, one in 44 children have autism. I, did that change? And since then it might be one in 42 now I, that, or one in 38 that might've changed either way. We know that that number has drastically decreased. Yes. I know the argument is that, uh, you know, please, please don't say that we've gotten better at diagnosing it. Please don't say that. Everyone says that, and every and every time I put something out about autism, or we do, that we get those comments, and it's like, yeah. guys, I understand that, but we got better at diagnosis in this twenty years ago. Yeah, it, it 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 is. We are we that is ingrained in in a medical providers to recognize those those things, and so like I don't think it's that uh, is, one in forty four. I do not think that it is at all increased surveillance that no. is causing um, and- this increase. And that's why I'm doing tomorrow night. I'm going to film my autism video in the membership because it's another one like vaccines that if you just take a step back and you think about it logically, you're able to have the conversation with people um, when they say that, no, we've just been better at diagnosing. Uh, It's so irritating. It's so irritating. It is. It is. And I'm sure that'll be a great video. I'm excited to listen. Uh, One in six children have a developmental delay. I have seen this upfront in personal, like as a, as a, well, a, a provider who did well child checks, guys, um, and not the typical well child checks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but guys, like this, this matters. If a child is not making eye contact, if a child is not, um, you know, if they're not crawling, that's a sign of of, 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 of reflexes too. If, you know, there's different things that, um, you know, you really have to consider developmental delays really do matter. Uh, one mm-hmm. in five children have allergic eczema, again, goes to the toxin bucket and, and messed up guts that are yes. increasing the susceptibility of the child to gut infections. Uh, one in 12 children have food allergies, again, goes to leaky gut. Um, and they're yeah. just responding to all these things that are coming into the to the gut and that they shouldn't necessarily be, but because it's getting leaked out into that gut lymphoid tissue, it is just causing a massive reaction. And, and then, vaccines completely cause food allergies. Exactly. And that is, and what's in the vaccines that causes that? Foods. <laughs> Isn't there, wasn't there eggs in some of them? Yeah, there's a- eggs, soy, gluten, yep. dairy. Yep. Yep. Um, and glyphosate. glyphosate. Yep. Glyphosate's all in it. I mean, it's, it really is just, they're, they're really terrible. It's not that we're conspiracy theorists. It's because they're so ridiculous that when you, when you break it down and to see what's in it, I guarantee you, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. If you're pro or against vaccines, if you just put the ingredients listed on a piece of paper and hand to somebody and say, Hey, will you eat this? Guarantee you nobody would eat anything on that piece of paper. Yeah, it, it is. It really, I don't think, and I didn't know this. I mean, I didn't know this when I started out as a mom, I was a nurse practitioner, right. but I had no idea about what was actually in vaccines. Yeah. 
the idea of vaccines is great. It really is. Like it's fine. It sounds it's great. Just, it sounds yeah. awesome. But it's all the other stuff that's in it. So mm-hmm. it's not just that we're saying the vaccines are horrible. It's just that what's in it, how they've done it, the massive amount of them. Yep. Um, no, that the, the, they've done it all wrong. All right. Mm-hmm. And last statistic, one in five children have obesity. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see this get worse. Uh, we yeah. are, there is no way we were not going to see this get worse. And and I, I know that we live in a culture that wants to accept every body shape and body. And I, I, and I don't at all want to communicate any judgment or anything. And and that is not at all. We are all made different. We are created all different and beautifully and wonderfully made. And I don't believe everyone is supposed to have the same size, but childhood obesity is not meant to be. And it does have major health impacts. The, um, let me pull up the statistics for Fatty liver disease. Oh yeah. Fatty liver disease has doubled in the last 20 years. I believe it said, what is it? Yes. Doubled in the last 20 years. That is a disease that we saw in the forties and fifties and sixties of, of, of ages, not mm-hmm. in children, right? Yep. That's right. And, and what I'll say to all of that is if Western medicine wants to take credit for eliminating childhood diseases like polio, measles, all stuff, which they're not eliminated, you all know, but that's what they say, then they also must take responsibility for the skyrocketing chronic illness that Lauren just spoke of. They they should take responsibility for that because how they market vaccines is we've never been healthier. Really? We've never been healthier? If you look that's at the statistics, true. we've never been sicker. We get sicker and sicker each year and we're the most medically advanced we ever have. Think about it. Take a step back. What are we doing? What is everyone doing consistently? And what does everyone get consistently? That's all you have to look at. Yeah. I mean, think about the, like the facial structure, the nutrient depletion that we are seeing. Um, Weston A. Price did this in the, was that in the fort? No, it's been in print. I mean, yeah. It's he, been he, print went, print. he went all around in like the, even earlier, I think. It, it, this is not new. Like this is an issue that the nutrient depletion we have, it's not yeah. just because of the food, because the food doesn't help. It's like cardboard, but it's like depleting in the same sense, but yes. it, it, it's not just the food. It's also that our gut just is not able to withstand the onslaught of chemicals and toxin exposures that we have. Um, and we see this also with the increase in type two diabetes in children. Um, we are going to, this is just going to get worse. I mean, yeah. I, I've had children that are being told by the cardiologist that they need to be on cholesterol medicine because mm-hmm. their cholesterol is so high and they're like 12. So crazy. It, 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 it is. And it's not even that they were that overweight because that wasn't the case for a couple of them. Like it, it's not always that there is an overweight picture. It's, it matters what's going on in your body and what your, what your body's being exposed to. And the foods really do make a difference. For sure. And I think we've done a good job of, uh, letting people know how sick our children really have become essentially let's let's talk about some action steps so what what do we do because everyone wants to know dr charlie and lauren what do you guys do with your family well, you know what what have you done what would you change all that type of stuff and the first thing that literally comes to my mind is when they're born what everyone else does just do the opposite yeah when everyone's talking about vaccines do the opposite when everyone's saying that your foods don't matter, do the opposite. When everyone is saying that uh, um, 
you, you know, the best thing is the best child is the one who walks the fastest and talks the fastest. Don't force your children to do any of it. We, we, one thing that I have seen time and time again is people love to put their kids in these like uh, little rolling things that make them stand upright when they can't walk. Those are horrible for your, for your fascist system. And I'm sure for you, I'm sure for, for your brain development. For your brain, for your brain development, that absolutely will lead to way more likelihood of ADD and ADHD and learning disabilities because the body's not ready to make that transition to walking. And the the body is very intuitive. Like our, my daughter, my first daughter didn't start walking until I believe 12 to 14 months. Mine were, mine were almost 13 months. Yeah. And, and we didn't force her to walk once it took her a week to get it down once she started. And, um, and I see people, uh, putting their kids upright too soon, which you don't know. I mean, it's, you really wouldn't know unless someone told you that the way that we're talking about it, you would not know that that existed or was a possibility that if you put your child in a little thing that makes them hang, you know, upright or, or walk upright, that it's going to mess up their nervous system. Oh, you know, you know what they also do? I learned about this in the CFT training because this wasn't around when I had babies, um, mm-hmm. even just five years ago. It's called the snoo. And it is. basically, uh, it, 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 it's a rocking cradle that rocks by itself, but it straps the baby down and the babies apparently love it because they just go right to sleep. And it's not good at all for their nervous system, for the development. I mean, just think about it. I've never seen that before. It, oh. I think it's called the snoo. I don't want to, I don't want to quote it wrong, but I think it, it pair. Oh yes. It's called the snoo smart sleeper. It's probably got Bluetooth too. Um, I actually, now that you say that, is it like, it is like a little rocker and it vibrates on its own. Yes. Yeah. I I have seen those. I just didn't know that's what it was called. And it shuts down their brain cycle too. And that's something that we, that we uh, measure when with CFT is you measure which is craniofascial therapy you measure their brain cycle. Well, a lot of people are at like a tight zero and they're not, they're not, their brain's not breathing. And no. you want it like at a, like a 120. Well, the snoo will just shut it down. And, and so will, um, so will a lot of other things like, uh, uh, wireframe glasses will too, yep. um, and things like that. And so anyways, that's one thing is we need to let our babies just be, um, yes. I think that is, I do love, there are certain things about, uh, convenience. I do think, you know, there are little things that you can use, but I think just the idea of just putting a baby in a walker or putting a baby in a snoo all day, just to make them happy. Yeah. Isn't something that we should necessarily embrace. Um, yeah. put them on you. I wore my babies. I mean, they're, I mean, I wore my babies so much, yeah. um, and that, and that, that they want to be on you. Yeah. And, and, you know, we did two home births literally two weeks ago. I caught my second daughter underwater, which is pretty awesome. And the first thing that we do is once the baby is underwater, um, you bring the baby directly to mama's chest, skin on skin, and you leave the vernix on the baby. Cause that's their microbiome part of it. Um, because what happens in hospitals, they clean the baby off right away. And that has a lot of, um, microbiome activity on there. And then they take the baby, they weigh it, they do all the stuff. They cut the umbilical cord too soon. You're supposed to let all the blood drain out of the umbilical cord and then it stops pulsing. Which is a factor in iron deficiency that we see later. In, in like, Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And so the biggest thing that we did for our first and our second daughters was, um, was chest to chest time, skin to skin with mom. 
And at, thankfully, most hospitals are are on board with it's called kangaroo care in the hospital. They m- most of the time, most of the time, they are on board with that. That's, and that's so good. thankfully, I do I, we do see that. But how long ago did we know about kangaroo care? A long time ago, yeah. and it took a long time for it to become mainstream. But thankfully, that is something that we are seeing more. And so we wanted to get as much skin to skin time as possible. Um, we don't want to force the child to walk too soon. Um, we want to make sure that, you know, if the baby's breastfed, that you are getting tested for food sensitivities and baby's food sensitivities. That's why we do bioresonance testing, muscle testing, frequency testing, um, which leads me to my next point is I adjusted both my daughters in the first 12 hours they were born. Yeah. And support. for sure. And, and too often people and birth injury, like birth, I mean, well, vaginal, you have to go through yeah. the vaginal canal. I mean, yeah. Sticking your head through the vaginal canal. Don't you think that would put some pressure on the cranium? Right. And and if you're doing a hospital birth and they, they vacuum your baby out, don't you think that is going to cause some type of issue? Or if you have a C-section and now you don't go through the vaginal canal and get more of your good microbiome, now your gut microbiome is compromised already. And so these are things that people should know, but doctors don't educate people on. Yeah. Um. And so, yeah, so back to my point was that a lot of people will tell me, wait, you adjusted your daughter when she was 12 hours old. What could possibly be wrong with her? And my answer is nothing could be wrong with her. I just want her to live the best version of herself. So we immediately put into um, into play chiropractic, cranial sacral therapy. We already had a cranial sacral therapist come over to the house uh, in the first week and work on our child. And CFT is another thing that yeah, was that is a massive, uh, it can be a massive help too. It's a, di- it's a different than craniosacral, yeah. but in, and then chiropractor, but it, it works in conjunction with those two things. Um, and it's, yeah. it, it, there's not the, I actually shared this earlier. There, the chiropractor works on the nervous system, whereas, um, cranio, fa- cranio fascia therapy works on the fascia and like on the soft tissue and yes. It's, it's, it's different, but it, they are, they work together. Works very, very well together. Yeah. And so the, the largest takeaway point is don't wait till a symptom comes out to build health. Yeah. You know, it, it's a, in China, they say, don't wait till you're thirsty to dig a well. It's a lot easier to stay well than it is to get well. Um, and, and so something about food sensitivity. So if yeah. you are not some, cause I, if you're going to a mainstream pediatrician and you don't have access to a frequency uh, medicine or bioresonance, which I, I do hope that you do. And I do hope that you can find that yeah. if you can't listen to yourself and listen to your baby and, and, and keep a food journal, keep, see what the, what they are responding to. Yeah. If your intuition is telling you something, then listen. And a lot of times gluten, conventional dairy, soy, peanuts, eggs, uh, did I miss one? Those caffeine. are the, hmm? caffeine and nightshades, caffeine and nightshades Oatmeal um, and what oats, oats, oats. Um, those are the biggest things to look at. Okay. And, and it does take a little time for those things to go out of breast milk. Um, but you know, do what you can. I do think we, we, we totally disagree. We think it all has to be a test and it doesn't listen to yourself and listen to your baby. Yeah. And, and what we just named was the most common, um, immune immunological foods, essentially. So they're going to be the ones that many people can be sensitive to. doesn't mean that you are, but it means that those are the most uh, immunoreactive foods. 
Um, and then as, as we keep going, as the baby ages, one other thing that I've done some research on was never introduce solids to your child until the child has teeth, which is really interesting. Yeah. I, that's something that, man, they still push cereal on a four month old. And if I, if I have another baby, I will say that that is something I will do different. I didn't do anything until about six months and then did, you know, basically kind of followed their cues. Yeah. I did introduce like grains too early. I think, uh, I think grains are a harder to digest food. Um, I know you probably would say, don't even do it. <laughs> um, for at depends least on, for- depends on the grain, but yes. yeah. Uh, but, or at least don't do the ones that I did. Uh, but I do think wait a little bit while for the grains. Um, and, and, and really try to, you don't necessarily have to do what everyone else is doing. Like the, all the typical baby foods like that, right. but, there's a reason why that's marketed to the masses. Correct. Correct. And do the basics. Get out in sunshine. Yeah. Let, let them crawl around. Let them run around. Let them get their energy out. Um, I think it's really important to really learn how to deal with children's emotions and ask them how they're doing. You know, if whenever our daughter, say she's riding around on her bike and she falls and cries, We don't, I don't run over to her and pick her up and say, you're okay. You're okay. Because to her, she's not okay. Um, And so what we do is we ask, are you, did it scare you? Does it hurt you? You know, express yourself. Um, So like that type of conscious parenting is very simple, but it goes a really long way. If we just step back and and learn how to ask questions like that, get the the children knowing, you know, what their feelings really are. Don't tell them how they feel, but ask them, ask them how they feel. Emotional identification is yeah. one of the biggest things, best things that you can do for your child. There is yeah. emotion, there are emotional identification charts. Um, there's a book, a kid's book that I love. I will link it. Um, it is, it is faith-based. Um, it, it's by a children, a, ch- a child psychologist that wrote a kid's book and it is so good, but it comes mm. with a feelings chart and you point to it. And, and, and that's something that I did with my kids early on and they can still say I'm mad or yeah. I'm frustrated. Like, what are you feeling? Um, and so I think that's really, and it helps them to recognize those faces so they can see that the faces of other children and they yeah. see they're sad and they can recognize that and have empathy. And that's something that we really need to, that's a muscle we needed to work and develop. Yeah. And so all that stuff goes a long way. I mean, you already know our stance on vaccines. Yeah. If you don't know our stance on vaccines, go listen to my video in the membership and I guarantee you, you'll look at vaccines in a different way. Yeah. And we talked about some different items on vaccines in the first few episodes of this podcast. Yep. You know, I think we should also talk about foods as, as children get older, um, coming from a place where my, I was not healthy when I had babies and my gut was not great. So their gut was not great. And they did, they were picky eaters, both of them, my oldest more so than my youngest. And it's hard when you feel like, man, I'm failing. Like my, my kids won't eat what I think, what they should be eating. And, and I will just say, you didn't know what you didn't know. I didn't know what I didn't know. And I, I am still in a process. So they are nowhere near where they were then, but we are still not like a, like what you would expect. Like, it's not going to be a perfect, um, you know, they don't eat perfect, but they do eat way better. They eat cooked vegetables and they eat a lot of meat, um, good quality meat. Um, yeah. they eat fruit, local honey, sourdough. I do, we do do sourdough and they, they, they love it. And so that is something that I, you know, I try to stick to home, the homemade foods. They do eat like beef sticks. 
Um, and they'll eat some nuts, but you know, what are some other snack foods that you like to give? My, my daughter loves, um, beef jerky sticks. She's on a a goji berry kick every morning when she wakes me up at six in the morning, (laughs) she'll, she'll say, can I have goji berries? And I have to like, tell her, I I talk to her about these things. This is my daughter's not even three years old yet. And she'll ask me, dad, is this healthy? Is is this have parasites yeah. in it? She'll literally say this to me, which is so. I love awesome. that she asked for pa- about parasites. That's awesome. Yeah, I was. I, <laughs> I, was, I was treating Andrea uh, a couple weeks ago, and she she goes, "What are you doing to mommy?" And I said, "Well, I'm treating her." She goes, "Why does she have parasites?" That's literally what she said. Oh, um, it's it's good for them to know these things. Totally. Like my kids know if they are going to ask for something sweet, then mm-hmm. they they better have their protein first. For sure, um, and, and that's what I was going to bring up was. Yeah is I always tell her and I'm reiterating, Hey, we need more protein because protein helps your blood sugar and your good blood sugar makes you feel good. And then it lands to her because like as she's ages, she's going to understand these things at a much deeper level because she's been exposed to it since day one. She literally has eaten out and people are going to think we're nuts at one restaurant in three years. And I will say that too. We really don't eat out ever. It is. Okay. I, I, this was like a special treat, like a, a few weeks ago, I, I let them eat out and that's a special treat, even though it was still, you know, a healthier version. It, yep. it is, a, it should be a special treat. I, I sure. think, and I, I, guys, I'm busy. Y'all, y'all know I'm busy and, and yep. it's hard to, to do that all the time mm-hmm. and to cook all the time. I do what I can. Uh, it's not perfect all the time. And, but you do what you can, you make fat, you make faster options at home. You get to get to experiment some things, some things someday, sometimes it doesn't work. Um, but try to cook as much as you can at home. If nothing, but you are controlling the oils that you are putting on your food. I'm not like a super like poofa, like poofas are the, are, are evil and you should never, ever have them because it is really hard to avoid them. But I do, and it's hard to avoid them and like to not stress about them as a, parents going from activity to activity and, and there's all this food and all these activities. I get it. Like I'm in that season too, but just know that like, we don't typically have those types of foods and just to do what you can. And that's something you can do is, is eat at home. Yeah. We cook at home 98% of the time. Yep. We have one restaurant in Tennessee uh, called urban market that Lauren, you were at when yeah. you came down to Nashville. Yeah, it's um, great. That's where my daughter has eaten meals at. Every other restaurant that we've ever gone to, and she come if she comes with us, we actually bring her own food. We are the parents that bring her own food, and she doesn't know any different. She yeah. does she does not know any different. She loves her chicken. Um, she's really starting to challenge me because she's not liking red meat anymore. And oh no, I know she's not like she's like oh, I just want turkey or chicken. She loves rice these days. She and she loves hummus. Hummus is like she can eat it by like the gallons. Um, and so she just doesn't know any different. And it's pretty spent spectacular, honestly, because she does really well. And, and, um, yeah, it, it's just, what we're trying to say is if you, you can control the controllable of food for the most part, if you don't know how to cook, maybe that's something for this year that you learn one, one time a week or twice a week to increase the meals that you have at home. Cause remember it's little action steps that make profound changes in the long run. And, and I will just tell you if, if your kids are used to eating a certain way and you're having a hard time getting them off of that, if they won't eat it, if it's not in the home. That's right. And so, you know, I don't buy food that I don't want them eating. 
Right. And yes, there is still some processed foods in my home. It is very much like organic and much better, ing- you know, ingredients. And I know that's an expensive thing um, for some. And so you're not able to do all that. So do what you can at home, make the things at home. You can make a whole lot of things yes. and figure it out. Trial and error. Look at, and if your kids are not, well, have them watch some cooking shows. Like it'll open up their minds. If they're older, maybe have them watch some cooking shows get, and then get them in the kitchen with you making the food. They are a lot more likely to try it if they have made it and had they have they have helped chop the things. They are a lot more likely to try it. Totally. And I think it's actually good because they helped make it and there's a sense of pride. And so I, I do really think that it's important to get our kids in the kitchen, to get them talking about food and knowing why. Uh, I mean, that if there is nothing else, protein and fat to balance the the whole food carbohydrates, um, my kids know that processed, it doesn't mean necessarily a good thing. And so to try to try to go for more of something that was made, that was a food the way it was, the way it was created um, yes. in its natural form. Yep. And um, something that popped in my head is, sometimes my daughter will, she'll literally play jokes on me and I'll say, all right, so what do you want to eat? And she'll look at me and she'll, she'll get her little dimple on her cheek. Cause she does her little shy face and she'll start laughing. She'll say, I want donuts. And I'm like, donuts. Why do you want donuts? She goes, cause there's sugar. And you don't like when I have sugar. That's what she'll say to me. <laughs> so, so she is well aware. And so are my kids too. Yeah. And it's not that I think sugar is evil. Cause I really, it's not that it's not even like the whole, the organic, whole sugar. It's right. not that it's more just it's overabundance of it. And then the processed and refined sugars. So that's really where you really, if you're making donuts at home, like I made the sourdough cinnamon, um, roll cake thing that had some sugar in it, yep. but it was organic sugar. And there really wasn't much. I didn't add the icing. Um, and I cut back on the sugar in the recipe and I let my kids have what they wanted of it. Yep. Um, I don't, I don't mind that as much. It's more about the process and refined stuff. Absolutely. So um, we've talked foods. Uh, We also think that it's very important to have some herbs and things on hand. Uh, Yeah, go ahead. One more thing. thing. If your child is not eating meat or does not want certain foods, maybe think about going to get tested um, for chronic pathogen, but also think about digestive enzymes. There's kids' digestive enzymes. Think about, are they having bowel movements? Maybe they're yeah. just full and kind of nauseous. Maybe work on that. I'll, I'll link some of the things that I do um, it, it, with my kids if they get constipated or what I would tell somebody else to do in the show notes. That is super important. Make sure they're having bowel movements every day. Um, digestive enzymes are really helpful. Bitters are really helpful too. Yeah, bitters are great. And that, that could be like, they don't know how to communicate to you that they don't want that because intuitively they know that that might not have enough fiber for them or something along those lines. And I was telling this the other day and I took a line from you. So there was somebody I saw that that their child won't eat meat. And yeah. I said, well, maybe they don't have enough stomach acid. Think about adding some salt yeah. <laughs> and B vitamins. There you um, go. That's what you need for stomach acid, right, Dr. Turley? That is B1, zinc, salt, and water. And that brings me to our next point is there's a lot of fruit juices out there, a lot of stuff. We just need good water. Yeah. The, the world is dehydrated and- oh. Yes. And not, and not that we need the filter, good filtered water, spring waters, probably, you know, it's okay. As long as it's from a good quality source, Yeah, but a good filtered water and that'll, that'll help a lot and adding minerals back in. Yeah. Like we have a whole house, um, Aquasana filtration system because I want our shower water and our bath water to be filtered and the water that touches our um, dishes in the dishwasher. And then I also have a Berkey and I also have an Aquatrue sitting on the um, counter. So we filter our water quite a bit. Um, it is essential. 
and we're made of, we're made up of so much water that it's like we basically our rivers like our digestive tract is a flowing river and if you're constipated you think of that as a drought yeah so um, all right so we got foods and waters uh perfect time uh that Lauren launched her ebook because it has so many good uh recommendations on different supplements and herbs and oils um, that you can have at home for if these things ever arise. So there's things on there for eczema, constipation, um, all the, all the different types of like literally everything. And sinuses, allergies, all of it. Guys, the, the biggest, one of the biggest things you can do is, is to practice antibiotic avoidance. I'm not saying to never give your children antibiotics. There is a time and place they are life saving at times, but most of the time they are given in this country, they are not needed. Yes. And so if we can just decrease the amount that, that, that our children are given, it makes a huge difference. Most children are given, I think it's on average 17, is it 17 antibiotics by the time they are 18? Oh, what? I need to look up that. It is That's horrible. Crazy. It is, it is horrible. And then you see, once they get one round of antibiotic, it actually increases the likelihood of another and another and another because their gut bacteria it you it makes well, antibiotics good. are not specific so they kill everything yeah. Yeah. and then you, it sets you up for more yeast production more parasites and all that type of stuff I, the biggest thing i find with patients is emotions mm-hmm. from a standpoint of if your child has a common cold and they're just miserable because they don't feel good your emotions get the best of you and then you bring them in and they're given an antibiotic and that again goes to the nervous system of the i can tell you it, you have to use so logic much, over emotions. You have to. So much emotional processing needs to happen. Yep. Yes, I, I get it. Now, I didn't have that because, I mean, I worked pediatrics and for five years as a nurse, and then I was an NP. So I didn't have any of that, like, my child looks miserable. I knew they were fine. Yeah. But to as a, as a parent, if you are not aware of, if, if you can't handle your child looking sick and, like, not feeling well, that's a sign that maybe, maybe to start considering your own emotional health. Yep. Um, and, and that's not to be mean. I guess I've, I've been there, not necessarily in that, that exact thing, but I've been there. It is important that you consider your own emotional health in that scenario though. For sure. And so, you know, we've talked about things on other podcasts with allergies and immune system stuff. So yeah. we don't, we don't want to um, keep repeating other episodes. Maybe foundation stuff. Say it one more time. Maybe foundation stuff to have at home. Like, like what are your daily things that Kessa might get? Um, man, because I'm, I resonate in muscle test. It changes quite often and not everyone okay. has the luxury of that. Yeah. Um, but I am usually checking something like reishi mushroom. Yeah. Uh, I'll check something like beef liver capsules. Um, I will always check a spore biotic and, um, you know, th- those are like the foundational type stuff. I, I right now she takes Inspiracel. Someday she takes Circuitonic from Vervita. Um, and then if she catches something like a fungus or a parasite or something, then her things change. So uh, having, you know, from from Supreme, I like all the liquids because kids can take liquids. So I'll always have elderberry Supreme on hand. I'll always have black walnut. So elderberry for viruses, black walnut for parasites and bacteria, and scutellaria Supreme tincture for molds, yeast, leaky gut, and glutathione production. I always have those three on hand. I'll always have Takasumi Supreme for a binder. I'll always have Megaspore in case that um, we need to uh, get some good germ back into the gut. Uh, 
I'll always have reishi mushroom because of just so many good benefits of medicinal yeah. mushrooms. Camu, I, Camu, Supreme. Cam, yeah, Camu Supreme for vitamin C. Yeah. These are all in my medicine cabinet at all times. Yeah. And I will say for me, um, as a parent of a child, children that burn through their minerals, uh, magnesium is something that I will never go without. Um, I, uh, I, my, both my children get mag soothe, uh, a very small amount a couple times a day, and it makes a big difference. Um, you can do a topical magnesium lotion, especially for babies. I like topical magnesium. If you're going to mm-hmm. do it or Epsom salt baths, things like that. Uh, but I magnesium, I, I really like Quentin minerals to re yeah. I remineralize our water with it. Um, because we do use reverse osmosis water. You want to remineralize the water. And so that is something that I do add to it. I use the isotonic for children and I usually do that hypertonic or isotonic and digestive enzymes. My kids are still like, I, I still have, I still have to give them. And so, and I don't think that's a bad thing, especially if you're eating, if you are, if you do eat out or if like you go travel, definitely eating out, having some kids digestive enzyme, but mine definitely get them still um, most days of the week. Um, that would say a beef organ um, or, yeah. or beef liver um, is something that we do pretty regularly. Yeah. Uh, camu and reishi are both two things that um, I will consider depending on what's going on. How about essential oils for baths? with Epsom salt to help emotional stuff. I use yeah. that all the time. Yeah. It, it, and when you do that, I don't know that I've explained this. I don't even know if I put this in my book, but hmm. put, add the, put some Epsom salt in your hand, unscented Epsom salt in your hand, and then add the drops to the Epsom salt yeah. and then add it to the bath. Don't just put the drop straight into the water. Cause it won't disperse. Well, um, add it to the Epsom salt first and then put it in. Um, that is something that can create the most calming experience. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I do love, I haven't even mentioned this, a bee propolis diffuser. That is something that's newer in the last probably two months that I've been using. And I do find that it's actually really helpful. Like my kids haven't been sick at all. And not that that's like a, that's not, I don't, I don't normally like rejoice in that. You you said you put bee propolis in a diffuser. It's no, it's not an actual water diffuser. It is a, it is, it is a little. It's its own diffuser. Yeah. It has a little vial. I'll have to show it to you. I've never seen that before. And it's the one I have I'm doing right now is propolis and um, boswellium. And I really think that that's helpful. I also do propolis tinctures or uh, propolis sprays in the throat, um, especially during, you know. And for some people who don't know what bee propolis is, basically what it is, is what bees use to line their hives to keep funguses and foreign invaders out. And yeah. so it's an antimicrobial It'll kill yeast. I usually use it for yeast infections generally, but it will kill anything that's trying to attack a beehive. So um, it's just a, an immune system uh, protectant, so to speak, from foreign invaders. Which makes sense why why I feel like Ryan, I, I intuitively give it to Ryan a lot more. Um, and she has tested for yeast. Um, there you go. Um, and that makes sense. So that is something that I, that intuit, that intuition, that's not something I had even five years ago, guys. Like that is something you work and that is a muscle that you know your child. Yep. And so uh, you and all you mothers out there have it. You just got to tap yeah. into it. Yep. Yep. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do, I keep around, I do like the, um, herb, uh, I'm sorry, immune Avenger from herb farm. I really like that one too. It's got some good stuff in there. Um, but I, I do keep the reishi and the camu. I, um, I keep uh, immune armor around constantly too, from Verbita. Oh, and cod liver oil. So that's the first thing yeah. I do when my kids start to come down 
is I give them cod liver oil. I usually do about a fourth a teaspoon um, when they're coming down with something. I mix it with some organic orange juice or something. Organic. So what, here's a clinical pearl for you folks out there that love clinical pearls. One thing that no one talks about with cod liver oil, which is has DHA and EPA in there, something that those are really good for is clearing out debris fields in the body by clearing out excess neutrophils. And neutrophils are a white blood cell that is a first responder to any bacterial or any infection. And if your body doesn't know how to clear those out, like it sends a bunch and it doesn't clear out, you still stay sick for a long time or you keep getting sick. And essential fats are the thing that clear those out. Yeah. There was something called resolvins, but that's chemistry, that's biochemistry nerd stuff. You guys don't that, really care that gets about. a little over, over my head, yeah. but, um, the vitamin A too, in it is massively helpful for viruses and immune support and, and your barrier systems. Vitamin A is what for your epithelium, for your sinuses, for your gut, all that stuff. It's, it's crucial. Yeah. So, um, those are kind of some of the things that I think about. I, is there anything we're missing? No, I think it's important to have some things around for infections. It's good. You know, you said minerals, vitamin C. I, I use Megaspore, so I love spore biotics to keep around. Um, hydration is crucial. The foods that we ch- that we can choose, cooking at home. Um, you know, I, I think that prayer is also a lost thing. Um, I, I think we don't pray over our food anymore. We don't really hold prayer at a high level anymore. And there's a lot of uh, healing that happens in prayer. Yeah. I um, think that that's something that I did want to mention, like the, the spiritual health of the home that, yes. that can make it a, a big difference. And, and guys, like hope is a powerful thing. And if, if you are struggling with, with that, and that is something that you just, you can't even fathom t- type of hope and peace. Um, it is, pre- it is there and it is present and it, it does make a difference in the, in the health of the family, the physical health Absolutely. of the family to be, have a spiritually healthy, uh, and spiritually just like, just to be, to feel that, um, you, you know, that when you feel it, um, and if you haven't felt that, like really, really dig and, and look for it because it's there magic happens when you're part of something larger than yourself. Yeah. 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 It is. It is. Um, yep. Yeah. And I truly, I truly believe that can change the physical health trajectory of, um, of a, of a family and of a home. Yeah. And one um, other thing I'll say, um, <clears throat> cause I am really big about praying over your food. There's yeah. an, there's a frequency shift when you pray over your food of the ability to receive your food and, from a biochemical standpoint, we should be smelling our food because that creates more digestive enzymes for us. It's a simple thing that goes a long way. Yeah. I mean, that's why we talk about cre- making food at home because you're smelling the food, you're chopping up the food there that, that gets those digestive juices flowing and it makes a huge difference in your difference in your ability to digest it versus grabbing something in a, in a drive-through window and eating it yeah. in the car there's just no ability to digest there. And I understand that this is a fast life we live in, but slow it down. Yeah. That's another thing we should bring up. Just slow it down. I cancel things. My kids are limited to one activity at a time. Um, that is not something that I even will. I don't know that I'll ever get rid of. And that's not because I don't want them to excel in in, a, in, in sports or in, a, in whatever activity. It is more because it is important that they have a strong family and home life. And that is stabilizing. And 
the kids that are just going from thing to thing to thing, the next thing, the next thing, it's not good for their nervous system, for their adrenals at all. Um, nope. it, you know, it's super important that they under like that they understand and destabilizing um, how important it is to be at home. Yeah. And, and I think we've labeled a lot of pretty good action steps of controlling your food, uh, controlling your emotions, hydration, different things to have on hand. We didn't even touch on school systems. Like I said, this could be weeks, <laughs> and weeks of raising healthy children, but as, as you all going to homeschool, are you really going to homeschool? Yeah, most yeah. likely we, right now our, um, our almost three, she'll be three and on Valentine's day, she goes to forest school. So she goes every Tuesday to a farm and they play with goats and chickens and they learn how to garden and make arts and crafts and just learn nature. And she loves it. She like Lily comes home with the biggest smile on her face. Um, so Tennessee has a lot of stuff like that. And so yeah. homeschooling for us a little bit, I will say the, yeah, the school, the schools really do matter. We found a the one thing that I would be comfortable with sending my children to, if it wasn't for this school, I would be homeschooling. And so yeah. I am all for um, any family that is wanting to homeschool because it, you, I mean, you can, there's just so many benefits to it. There is. But I would also say there are, there are options out there for other schooling too. And if you find one that you are comfortable with that has the values that you have, um, then, and that, you know, then that's fine too. Um, but just know that that is, that is an important where they are getting a lot of information and a yes. lot of opinions that can be found in those walls um, and that are given in those hours. Yeah. Do your research on that. Definitely. Um, go and interview different schools and, and things like that. You know, you can do it that way. Um, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is a big deal. But I mean, there's so much, I mean, and, and that doesn't even go into like the mask policies or the, the issues like that at school, but all that to say, you should, you know, your child best and you know what they can handle and what they will do, what they will excel in. And, yep. um, I, I really believe that if you tap into that, you will know what will serve them best and what will do best for them. Yeah. You know, what's best for your child. Never let anyone tell you what to do with your child. When, like when we're doing this podcast, we're just telling you what we do and what we would do. But if you don't want to, that's your choice. And that's the best part of it. It's freedom of choice. Um, and schooling is a huge example of why freedom of choice needs to be. Uh, but before we, you know, we go too far into that, I know you guys really love us talking about health and stuff like that. Um, so I think we pretty much covered most yeah. things that I wanted to say. Is there anything else that you wanted to say before we hop off? I don't think so. Um, I think we did a pretty good job of like covering the bases. Like it's not about having all the things. It's more about yeah. you and like your approach and just the health of your home and of your, of yourself. Um, yeah. and just to, to take it slow and take it one day at a time. It's okay. Yeah. If you yell at your kids today, apologize and, yeah. and then let's, let's start over tomorrow. Um, you can change it. Absolutely. And, and, um, we'll end off with that. I mean, like she said, take it one day at a time and small change leads to massive change in the future. You know, Rome, Rome was not built in one day. Um, little action steps turn into great lifestyle, uh, down the road. So even if it's, even if it's just one processed food, one processed sure. food that you change out. Yeah, for sure. Or, or even like we talked about Camus Supreme, like even if your child gets maybe a little more vitamin C a week, like that's going to okay. benefit their adrenals, their immune system so okay. much, um, that it's little things that will go a long way. So again, it's a marathon, not a race. You have years in this body, treat it right. Um, and, uh, you, you know, the universe rewards the action step, the universe rewards the action step. So anyways, I, do you even have to read the disclaimer? Do we even, 
we did talk supplements. Okay. Uh, okay. This is not meant to be medical advice. This is meant to be educational. Please speak with your healthcare provider before changing anything. All right, everyone. Uh, we will see you on the next one. We will do another poll uh, on Instagram about different topics and we'll take it from there. Hope you all have a great weekend and we'll see you on the next one.